Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What's Brewing. I am your host, Chris Nozick, joined by my co-host, Mr. One and only Dom Tiano. Dom, how are you this evening? It is Saturday for the second Bruins Wild game. Doing great. Uh, no complaints. Christmas is just around the corner and uh, hope everybody is ready. How about you, buddy? I'm never ready for Christmas, but I'm of more prepared not. this year than, than, last, than years past because I'm not working retail anymore. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's always a good thing. I had my share of time there, too. So, uh, but we are here to talk about the Boston Bruins uh, one more time before the Christmas break and before, well, we break for Christmas. So, uh, we've got a lot of places we can start, but I have one spot in particular. Unless you have something that jumps out at you, there is something in particular I want to start with if you're okay with it. Let's hear it, buddy. All right. First and foremost, we've got to give a huge shout out. Congratulations to Matt Poitra. We were talking about it last week about whether or not he should go to juniors, whether or not he should get the call from Canada. You had confirmed that the Bruins had gotten the call and they had initially said no, but he wanted to go and they worked it out. Congrats to Matt Poitra. He's going to go represent Canada in the world junior classic in the world junior championships. And, uh, Good for him. Yeah. Um, now, mind you, like the, he's played two preseason games, and um, you know the first game was, it, despite scoring uh, a pretty nice goal, uh, wasn't up to par. He just traveled. Um, <clears throat> uh, today, he had some moments. He had a couple of bad defensive lapses, one that ended up in his net. Uh, he had lots of opportunities offensively. I, I think he ended up with five shots on, on net and another five directed or attempted shots on net. But uh, he's still struggling from the uh, effects of, uh, you know, a six or seven hour flight and uh, the time change, but that'll come to him. But yeah. we got to give a huge shout out to Jorian Donovan, who arrived in Sweden this morning, played the game, and was named Canada's best player uh, today in the loss against the United States. That sounds like a lot of adrenaline for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He actually had a really, really good game. So yeah, I guess I, they'll both have a moment where they just hit the bed and crash and be glad they don't have to go to the rink right away the next day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they even uh, said on the, uh, on the broadcast today, uh, they don't play for 24 hours and he'll probably end up sleeping that whole time. So, you know, gutsy performance by him much much deserved rest for the two of them though but uh those defensive lapses that you were talking about though for matthew potra i think if people watch those they can understand why a guy like coach montgomery doesn't want to play him as much in those crucial minutes when you're up mm -hmm. by one and you need defensive responsible players on the ice right and i keep saying i'm not worried about matt potra I'm the least worried person on the planet that things will come together for him. Right. And, and, you know, 
I think a lot of comparisons that have been made towards him is he's a Krejci like type player in that he's a he's someone who helps set up the play. And you know, even David Krejci was I mean, no one's Patrice Bergeron, but he was a great number two in that role. And that's kind of where Poitras projects to be. Mm-hmm. So can he be out there? Maybe in a couple of years, he'll be a lot more defensively responsible and you can put him out there, you know, because during the course of 82 games, you don't always need your 1A out there to shut everyone down defensively. You, you, There were plenty of times where we saw Krejci out there instead of Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Was it maximum capacity shutdown defense? No. But over the course of 82 games, it allowed you to save Patrice Bergeron for the times where you really needed it come playoff time. And that's right. what Patra is going to allow you to do. And hopefully Zaka's that guy that, you know, stays out there in those crucial times or, or coil someone like that. Um, but that does transition us into right now. If you have a one goal lead with two minutes left, what are, who are you putting on the ice to protect that lead? If it's crunch time in the playoffs, a one goal lead, one goal lead. Um, is there a face off and where is it? Let's say it's neutral ice. I'm, I'm not putting I'm out, to make it easy for you because if it's in the defensive zone versus the offensive zone, you'll probably have different personnel. I'm well, yeah, definitely. I would. I'm putting Charlie Coyle in the middle, I'm putting uh. Pavel Zaka on left wing. Uh, on defense, I'm going McAvoy and Lindholm. And on right wing, on right wing, I'm going Jake DeBrusque. Okay, that's the name that's going to get a lot of reaction to it. But I, right now, I'm with you 100% on that lineup. Uh, you know, I feel like because two minutes is tough, but they can give you a good solid minute and a half that group mm-hmm. and, and really minimize what you need your second grouping to do in that last 30 seconds, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yep. McAvoy and Lindholm could give you two minutes, but yep. the the good thing is that I've got. um, I've I've got. Brandon Carlo on the bench. And do I have Derek Forbert back yet? I mean, I'm assuming if in this scenario it's the playoffs, by that point he should be healthy. I, I, okay. I, so, I, but have, Forbert I, have, I have those two on the bench. Um, I, I'm going to change that lineup then because it's two minutes left and I'm not going to get two minutes out of the forwards. I'm going to go co- start Coyle, Beecher on the left, um, and DeBrusque on the right. And then I'm going to come out with Zaka, Frederick. My and, last would probably be Heinen. And Heinen, yeah, on for the last little bit. For you the know, last like, thirty seconds, forty-five seconds, depending on where the where the play ends up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
it, it's a lot different from last year when you could throw out Bergeron, when you could throw out Marshan, when you could throw out uh, Thomas Noshik, when you could throw out, you know, even Taylor Hall. He came a great two yep. while he was here in Boston. Um, everybody wants to, you know, it's easy to beat down on Jake DeBrusque right now. The points aren't there. The goals aren't there. But he was one of the first players that came to mind for that scenario because everything else he's doing correct. So yeah. the question that everybody or the, the thing that everybody wants to try and do is ship him out for a bag of pucks. Problem is, is a bag of pucks can't defend. Right. And I don't know that you would get value for DeBrusque. Uh, my friends over at Bench Rates, um, today I was actually looking up Jake DeBrusque. Uh, this is something that was created by a retired hockey player. They've actually uh, created an algorithm that in real time uh, gives you a player's value. And they give you two values. One is based over the last five years and one is based on the current season alone. Now, over the past five years, Jake, has been the Bruins have been getting uh, just over six million dollar value out of Jake DeBrusque, uh, whereas this season he's dipped below his actual AAV of four million dollars. So um, his value has plummeted, and I imagine his trade value has probably plummeted as well. Yeah, you're you're definitely selling low on him, and and that's why I think right now what he does keep in your lineup can be more valuable. I don't want to say than the four million dollars that that he could free up in AAV for a deal to be made. I'm not saying no to don't include him in a package. If you can put him in a package with a couple other players, that frees up the money to bring in somebody else. I'm I'm listening to the conversation. I, mm-hmm. I want to what what what's on their side of the scale. What's on our side of the scale? You know, if I'm selling low on Jake DeBrusque, I, I'm not looking to I'm not looking to pin him to you know Mason Lori and say okay let's go get you know a, a forward. No, but if you're building if you're doing a a, a legitimate hockey trade, you're going to get someone who can help you in the long term as well. You know, an example would be Noah Hannafin. If he were to come with an extension, then, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but then I'm at least listening and they're probably asking for Lori. So there's some back and forth there. But if, if including DeBrusque in a deal like that helps get it done or doesn't hurt my side of the trade value by me over ha- having to overcompensate, I'm listening. Not sure I'm pulling the trigger, but I'm listening. You should always listen. Um, it's funny you mentioned Hannafin because I can tell you that Don Sweeney is making phone calls. And I don't necessarily mean to Calgary for, for Noah Hannafin. The problem, and I've told you what we've discussed Hannafin in the past, and even Elias Lindholm, if, if you want to throw him in there. If I'm Calgary... And you're looking to acquire both players from me. 
I'm looking, the, the conversation for me starts with Mason Lorai and Matthew Patra. Yeah. And, and you're, you're adding from there. I'm not sure the Bruins can carry uh, Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Brandon Carlo, and Noah Hannafin at an extension without Mason Lorai's entry-level contract. That's the big thing. That that's where I'm at. If I'm if I'm calling Calgary, I'm looking for Noah Hannafin to see what I can make happen there. Honestly, though, if it's going to cost me both to get both, I'm I'd rather keep Matthew Poitra and as much of Mason Lorai as I can. Now mm-hmm. I'm okay with dealing, including Lorai in a deal for Hannafin, assuming an extension's in place or they're they're confident they can get one, because. It's basically one for one in the lineup and they give us a defense defenseman. They want one in return who they have some control over. I I'm okay with it. I would much rather have Lori though, because of exactly that the ELC that he comes with next season, um, which is also another transition to something else that is really out there right now, especially in Bruins Twitter. And you and I have had this conversation off air. Uh, we, we talk about it constantly. Fans are begging for some sort of lineup shakeup by calling someone up from Providence. We talked about it last week. You did a phenomenal job of breaking it down as far as the, the 70 games that Merkulov needs versus the 160 that Matthew Poitra needs to require waivers. Now I took that a little bit further. Now, would you say it's out of the realm of possibility for next year for you to have the following three rookies in the lineup, Merkulov, Kuntar, and Lorai? No. I've actually said many times on Twitter or X or, or even in my own blog that Kuntar, I fully expect Kuntar to make the team next year. So that doesn't surprise me. Merkulov, I'll be honest with you. He got off to, I would call, a slow and disappointing start um, this season. But I'll tell you, man. Not only has he picked it up offensively, <clears throat> I think it was Mark Dibber today pointed out that he has uh, 14 points in his last seven games, something yeah. like that. Yeah, he's playing okay. well lately. But his all-around game, I expected him to make improvements in his all-around game, but he's gone far and beyond what I even expected out of him. So... I think he'll, he's what, 23 now, Chris, I believe? 22 or 23. I don't have it in front of me, okay. but somewhere in that range. <laughs> I think he will be a full time NHLer next season. Um, and who was the third one you mentioned? Lorai and Kuntar. Lorai, definitely. Um, I figured they were, I figured he was the gimme in that. Yeah. I mean, they really wanted to keep him up this season, despite needing some work down in Providence. And, you know, for cap reasons and contract reasons, they just couldn't do it. 
I, I can't complain about that though. He he went down to Providence. He worked on some stuff, and this uh, this recent stint, he's looked better. Yeah. Now, you talk about rookies. Uh, you know, you asked me last week when we were talking. Uh, you know, what about trading? A, if it were up to me, which goaltender would I trade? And I said Brandon Bussey. I mean, I at, at this point, I'd be willing to sign Allmark to an extension. But, but, yeah. If a trade comes across your desk, like you said, you're listening. Yep. You have to listen. So, Bussy could be a fourth rookie on the roster next season. He could be. I, the, for purposes of of what we were talking about when it comes to last week and the carryover, at least to my thought on this as to where, because I'm on board with you. Keep them down in Providence for right now. Um, if you lost, say, Brad Marchand to a season-ending injury, then maybe I'd call Mer- Merkulov up and see and and take a look and dig into those seventy games that you're talking about. But that's also a very different scenario. You've changed the entire game at play mm-hmm. by a guy like Marchand going down. But yep. for right now, right now we're looking for single-game fill-ins, two to three-game fill-ins, nothing of the. 15 plus we'll say game kind of uh lineup that not, even with Matthew Potra out at world juniors, he's missing what eight games, something like that. Yeah. In total, maybe nine. And and I remember I asked you the other day, is it worth giving Merkulov a run here to see what he can do? And you, you kept consistent with the answer. And I thought about it. I stood on it. And then I started doing the math on it. Because what we're talking about is the ability for next season's team to bank cap space. And while we're worried about this year, Don Sweeney and his front office crew are worried about this year, but they're also worried about next year. And exactly. And what I, so I did the math, I did it off the 186 game season, or the 186 day season, because that's more typical mm-hmm. versus. 92 i think we're at for this year yeah um but if you just take those three players and basically paper transaction them down to providence when they won't need waivers all of next season i just did the math for basically 75 days that's you know you 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 look at it and you go november december january february you're approaching the trade deadline well that's when you want to have the extra cap space for right you do it for 75 days across, what is that, 30, 60, about 120 days, paper transactions on days of practice, this, that, and the other thing, they'll accumulate almost an extra million dollars just because they can send them down on paper and they don't have to go through waivers. Right. That's Which is something that, right there. And it's lacking on this year's team. That's why... They don't have anybody they can do that with. Okay. They're, they um, have guys they can do it with, but they're Patrick Brown. And they're, you know, like the guys that you sit there and complain that they keep doing it with. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not what, players that don't require waivers that, right. you know, on, on those entry-level contracts that you don't have to, like, I mean, let's, let's say uh, Jacob Lauco, no, 
uh, still required waivers. Okay, are you? Uh, no, the bad example. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's Patrick, say, let's say you're doing it with because you know he'll get through waivers, and if right. for whatever reason Arizona sits there and goes, well. We just lost Liam O'Brien on our fourth line. We need another guy to fill in for him. We're going to claim Patrick Brown off waivers. You're not losing sleep over it. No. No, but um, I, I have to think, okay, Matthew Patra, okay, he doesn't need waivers, but you can't send him down. Well, you can send him down. You can't get him back. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get him back. Uh, but I, I'm using him as as an example because his cap hit is higher. Okay? I was going to say John Beecher is another one because he doesn't need he doesn't need waivers either. Yeah. So you you send those guys down, and like you said, you, you divide their AAV by um, by. I did it by one eighty six. Okay. If if you divide it by 40 okay which is typically the number of days left in the season uh after trade deadline and then multiply it by 186 that's the aav that can be added on trade deadline day all right so let me i'm 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 busting out the calculator here so do you want to use John Beecher as the example? Because he they could actually yeah. be doing it with him. So he's at per cap friendly, he's at 925,000. So you said divide that by 40. Right. And then, and multiply then multiply that. by 186. So that would be four point three million dollars. That's the AAV that can be added on trade deadline day. So if I do it off of that math, you would have 925 for Lori, 925 for Merkulov, and we'll call it 867 for um for Kuntar. And I know this part is really boring. All right, so that's two point seven million. Divide that by forty, and then multiply that by one eighty six. That's a twelve point yeah. six million dollar AAV that you can add. Yeah, so you can add Connor McDavid. I- I'm up for that. You could add Leon Drysital. Yeah, so it, it's because because we know that the Bruins weren't able to do it last year because they were on LTIR. They can't do it right now because they are on LTIR. Uh, They won't be on LTIR next year. They won't need it. They've got a shitload of cap space. But you want to be able to bank that cap space, which is why I'm not burning player play, the number of games players need for waivers or arbitration eligibility and even in some cases unrestricted free agency um for for to play in a meaningless game and let's face it okay tonight's not a meaningless game because uh oh, oh gee boston just scored looks like pasta just scored about yeah 
two and a half minutes in. Yeah. Maybe it becomes a little less meaningful if they're oh, able. Oh, uh, what a shot! If if they're able to pull this one out, they needed to bounce back. They need a bounce back from uh, yesterday against Winnipeg. So no, today's today's a meaningful game because Florida won this afternoon. But you know, as just like Boston's been losing, uh, Toronto's been losing, and Florida's been losing. They haven't been able to close the gap. On Boston and until Florida de- defeated Vegas today. Oh, and we got a loco fight. Oh yeah, I when he got the clear to fight, you knew it was coming. Yeah, but you know what? They need that kind of spark from him. The good thing is, is yeah, as you were saying, just to let people know where they are right now. Boston has forty-four points, four more than Florida, and six more than Toronto. Toronto's going through some shit right now in goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think they're doing everything they can to not call up uh, Wildeby <coughs> because they don't want him up too early. Mm-hmm. And Sam- I don't blame them. I don't blame them either, but Samsonov is borderline unplayable right now. And, and Martin Jones... I mean, Andrew and I were kidding around on it on puck off, but when I saw they signed Andrew Jones, I was like, and here he is, the savior, Martin Jones. But, I mean, right now it's looking like he, you know, if he can carry him through to when Joseph Wall comes back, he kind of is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Like, uh, I don't know. Samsonov, I'm curious to see what they do with him. You know, they should have kept Jack Campbell. They really should have. He he was a good fit for them. But then again, look at where Campbell is now. They could be dealing with that. Yeah. So I I look at it, though, and, and I'm really curious to see what happens. Because Joseph Wall's not old. No, no. And Martin Jones is playing well. And, I mean, if... Samsonov keeps up what he's at right now and he becomes completely unplayable because he's just not giving him a chance to win any night that he's in net. They may have to, depending on when they project to get Joseph Wall back, they may have to look at Wildeby and see what he can do at the NHL level. At, at least as a number two. And, you know, Martin Jones, at least, is a veteran guy that, you know, again, I don't want to be relying on him every night, but if he's my veteran in the room with a guy like Wildeby, I feel better about that, you know, than going Wildeby and Samsonov. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know? But if, um, if it comes down to that, then you're waving Samsonov and hoping someone claims him. Then nobody's going to claim him. Who's going to claim him? Edmonton <laughs> where are they getting the cab space well I guess now that they, they... he's like three, yeah he's 3.75 yeah. so his cap <laughs> that bad but yeah I mean not many not many teams are going to trade for him with that or wait claim him to take on that kind of contract no uh, no but I guess we'll find out as soon as the roster freeze is lifted um uh, what their intentions are, but you know, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Uh, they're going to have to pay somebody to take that contract. And how many first round picks can you give up 
to to have another team take up take uh off your contracts. Well, so far we're up to what four <laughs> between uh, way that between getting rid of contracts and bringing in <coughs> top players, we're up to four or five just for Boston. <laughs> well, it depends on how you break the 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 deal up, but I don't think we've traded a first round pick straight up like Toronto has for for someone to take on a, no. a contract. No. And and part of it is is the planning ahead. You know, Don Sweeney leaves himself leaves himself options and one of the things to look at for next year while we were talking about that cap space, I pulled up who's going to be a free agent at the end of the the 25-26 season cuz that's somebody that next year you're going to try to look to target and you've mm-hmm. got good names that are at, you know, right number one on the list. John Tavares is the most expensive at 11. Mitch Marner's at 10.9. Now, the likelihood of you dealing with the Leafs is minimal at best. But, you know, Miko Rantanen for Colorado, he'll, you know, he's only 28 right now. He's 925. And they may be looking to clear cap space. If you have the ability to do that, and 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 that <laughs> that's not hurting you by any stretch, you know. Then you've got uh, Cro- uh not yeah, Crosby's on the list, but you won't have a shot at him. Drysital, um, you know, I mean, there's a, a a bit of a drop off in there, but you know, Nikolai Ellers, you know, there's there's some good names that are going to be available in in two years that you could make a pitch for at the deadline, Pavel Buchnevich at 5.8. He'd be a great ad now. You don't have nowhere near the cap space to do it, but he's only 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, so much is going to change between now and then that, you know, we're almost getting too far ahead of ourselves, but But (laughs) those options. There, well, the two biggest things that that you pointed out is um, Don Sweeney isn't thinking about just this year; he's looking into the future. And two, um, cap space no longer becomes an issue next year, right? And that doesn't include the bump that they're going to get from the cap going up a little bit. Yeah. And well, no, no, a little bit. I expect uh, by 25, 26, that it's going to be between 91 and 92 million bucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking about just going into next year, though. It's going to bump up maybe three or four million bucks. So he's he's not handcuffing himself by already spending that money. He's looking right. at how can I build onto that? And then. This way here, when you go into it, you can look at Jake DeBrusque and say, hey, listen, we're willing to sign you to, you know, a year or two at the same $4 million that you've been making. Two years, we'll average it out, see what your production looks like. We'll run it back a little bit, and you still get another contract before you turn 30. That's exactly the point I made last week. You know, and you and know, when he comes God's... back, and he's like, "I want five and a half, six. You go, "All right, well, we'll go to five, four and a half, because you've been around. We know what you can do. 
you know, maybe maybe you try and cut it to four seven five just because of the increase and whatever. But you know, you're able to go a little bit higher, make him feel good. You keep all the things that he brings because he is still a good guy in the locker room too. He's not hanging his head. He's not you know causing problems amongst the team because he doesn't have the points coming right now. He's doing everything else, literally everything else you could ask him to do except scoring. Right. And, you know, he's very well liked in that room. The players love him. They did last year. They did the year before, uh, you know. um, the, The only issue I have with Jake, and it's not so much not scoring, it's the inconsistency. Because I firmly believe once he pops one or two, he's going to go on a run where he scores 10 goals in 15 games. (laughs) Knowing him, he'll score 10 goals in four games. Or or something ridiculous, right? And then it'll be, oh, Jake is back, you know, and now we've got to sign him. And then he'll go on his inconsistent run again. I But... I don't think these are easy negotiations that Don Sweeney is having with him and his agent. Um, I actually think that it's a very difficult negotiation because uh, both sides are, well, it's been three months. Yeah, Both sides and, aren't right and both sides aren't wrong. Right. <laughs> it, it, you know, so um, I'd be curious. I I would really be curious if, DeBrusque was arbitration eligible, what the arguments would be in front of the arbitrator. Yeah. I, I would I would really be curious as to that. And and going in with it too, because of the increases, because of what they're able to do as far as banking <clears throat> capital base, whether or not you re-sign Jake DeBrusque, uh, you know, the answer is yes if the number is reasonable. Right. It has to make sense both uh, uh, next season and beyond. Um, I mean, you know, the, ter- the term also, also has to make sense, too. I Like, I'm not signing Jake DeBrusque to an eight-year contract. No way. No. But if I can get him back at two years, 10 mil total, AAV of five, it's a little bit of a pay bump. I don't really want to go the extra million, but at the same time, I have to be able to recognize the cap's going to go up and it's going up both years of his contract. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen this year and what we saw a couple of years ago, he doesn't play well on a one-year deal. No. And I, I wonder how much it's playing on him that he doesn't have a deal yet, <clears throat> you know, Jake. I, is, I would be surprised if it's he, if it's way on a lot because the things that he's doing, missing the net against Minnesota a couple nights ago in overtime, causing the three on O basically going the other direction. Mm-hmm. Like that to me says he's gripping the stick too tight. He's not. He's focusing on things in that moment that aren't. I got to get the shot on net. Just shoot this and hit the goalie. Yeah, I, I'd rather he hit the goalie than to try and pick a corner and miss. Yeah. And have happen what what happened in that Minnesota game. 
He was trying to score. I get it. I can't be mad at him for it. But at the same time, that's not always who he is. That's who he is when he's gripping the stick too tight, when he's trying too much, and he's he's trying to do it all and say, see, I can do it. When he's got the yeah. contract, he sits there and he goes, I'm going to make the smarter play. The odds are if I hit the goalie, it won't deflect off and cause a three-on-one the other way, and we'll stay in the zone for a little bit or at least have numbers getting back. Look, I'm, I usually don't come to the defense of a player, and, and I'm not in the room, so I don't know what goes on, but, but – I, I, I'm i going to come to Jake's defense here a little bit uh, and go on what we know that has been said publicly by both him and general manager Don Sweeney. When Jake DeBrus come out in early September and said it, Boston is the only team he's known, he wants to, he wants to sign, uh, and then says it takes two to tango, and then two weeks later, Don Sweeney comes out and says, well, we want to know from Jake if he really wants to be here. Uh, you know, if I'm Jake, I would be offended by that. I just come out and publicly said, this is where I want to be. This is the only team I've known. Um, yeah, what do you think that means? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it means. I, like, I'm at a loss to explain what it means, but... It's been three months and there's, since those comments come out and um, almost four months and there's still no deal. So uh, to say it's not affecting Jake, um, I think anybody who says it's not is, is a little bit off because it's got to be affecting him. Oh, absolutely. Um, real quick, we're going to take a quick pause to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings. And then I, I actually have a couple other numbers uh, regarding Jake DeBrusque and some of the other guys on the team that I want to get into real quick. Uh, and then a, a lineup question for you uh, as this game hits about the 11-minute mark or so. Um, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back to go over some of that stuff. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting at just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus Age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources nhl and the nhl shield are registered trademarks of the national hockey league copyright nhl 2023 all rights reserved welcome back to the show it's what's brewing i'm your host chris nozick joined by dom tiano 
Uh, we're talking about Jake DeBrusque. And like I said, I have a question for you about the lineup. But one of the things that I was going through again before the show is, do you know where Jake DeBrusque or where would you expect Jake DeBrusque to rank on the team in shots this year based on what you've seen? In shots, on, attempted shots or shots on goal? Shots on goal. Well, based on what I've seen, um, probably last, but he should be. He should be in the top three or four. So he's fourth. All right. Now everyone talks about how this team needs another goal scorer. They need to add some depth, which is something we've said for years, all the way going back to Bergeron and Krejci and the first go around and all that stuff. What I was looking at though was shots on goal. Do you have? I'm guessing you know who leads the team in shots on goal. David Pasternak leads the league. Leads the league. He has a hundred coming into today's game because I was doing this before the game started. Mm-hmm. He had a hundred and fifty nine shots on goal. Do you know who number two is? Number two, I would say number two is Trent Frederick. Number two is Brad Marchand. I would have had him number three. Brad Marchand has 98 shots on goal. Okay. Their drop-off from one to two is 60 shots. Yeah. JVR has 70 shots, and he's number three. Jake DeBrusque has 66 shots. He's number four. Number five is Charlie Coyle with 60, and number six is Pavel Zaka with 50. So from one to six, you're dropping 90 shots on goal. They're not shooting the puck on net. No. That's why they don't have offense. Um, but it's 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 the coach's strategy. Like under Bruce Cassidy, it was quantity over quality. I, under Jim Montgomery, it's quality over quantity. Sure, but you would think you'd at least have two guys over a hundred shots. Maybe three, given the fact, given who you have. Zaka's got a good shot. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not using it. No, he's not, but he's always been like that. Right. Even that- back to his junior days, it was he's always had an excellent shot. He's just reluctant to use it. Um, I just, I, I think they need to get more. Sh- I mean, I'm not saying they're not taking any shots. But what I'm saying is, is the shots they are taking aren't all getting through. Yeah, but, well, yeah, you've got to compare it to a, attempted shots. So, um, <clears throat> I there's a lot. I mean, there could be a lot of reasons. Uh, and without having the attempted shots in front of me, I don't know if they're getting blocked or not. I'll pull those for next show. We'll com- we we can go through those as a comparison for next show because you, you're you're right. I mean, if he's got 159 shots on goal and he's attempted 200 shots, he's he's getting his shots through. Right. But um, if he's tempted, but, attempted 300, then he's you know getting half of them through. Right. Now, you know the amount of time that the Bruins are pinned in their own zone. Like, uh, you know, another thing to look at is is uh, 
zone time by each team. And I would venture to guess that the Bruins are on the losing end of that almost every game. <laughs> well, again, a guy like Charlie Coyle, 60 shots being, you know, fifth or sixth on the team, not surprising. You're deploying him in a very defensive role. Mm-hmm. is playing a very defensive role as well some of the time. But he's still mm-hmm. your number one center. And, and, yes, he's got Pasta on his wing. So when he has the choice, he's going to defer to Pasta. But I would still expect him to have maybe 80 shots. You know, Jake DeBrusque is a guy who also, when he shoots the puck more, finds the back of the net more. And, you know, what one of the things that I wonder – and we've talked about the lineup on numerous occasions. And I've every time the lineups go out, and I see Marshan Zaka Pasternak all together in a row on the same top line, I see about 30 questions. Why the F are they all still together? We know this doesn't work. Marshan doesn't work with those two guys. Da, 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 all through. Well, we saw the brusque up on the left side with Zaka and Pasternak, and it did work. And do you think it's a matter of they're trying trying to get that top line going and and trying to get them to work together or like you know we we've seen Marshy and Geeky Heinen work well and you know Marshy and Geeky and Patra when he was around work well we've seen JVR Coyle and Frederick be one of the best lines on the team but they keep splitting it up do you think they'll go back to those lines that we know work when they really need to? Hard to say. Like I sometimes I wish I was in Jim Montgomery's head to to understand his thinking. Um I wouldn't touch the fourth line. That seems to be the one consistent line. Yeah, I wouldn't touch it. The third line when you have coil or where you have J, JBR, um, Frederick, and Patra, I wouldn't touch that line. Even even though Coyle has played so well with those other two guys. But I I like the trio when when Patra was there as well. <clears throat> we need Coyle to anchor the second line, not the third line. Um. Now, I I guess you could make the argument if Coyle was in the middle instead of Patra, that becomes your second line. As I say, that would be my argument. When when those three are together, they play like a second line. They're much more physical than your average second line, but they they play well. They're in the offensive zone. They generate. They they forecheck well. They they do everything that you want to do. You want to see them do. And Marshan Patra geeky looked really well when they were together too. Actually, the one that I thought looked really even the best one, when, remember when Geeky went down for a little bit, you had Marshan Poitra Heinen? Mm-hmm. That line looked really good too. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what goes on, what the thinking is. Uh, I, you know, it's. I agree. There's two lines they shouldn't touch, and then <laughs> I, if I were to guess, if you're numbering lines, 
Uh, Jim Montgomery has something against having Brad Marchand on the third line, which is why he's sticking with Marchand, Zaka, and Pasternak. I, I mean, we all know DeBrus needs to get going. He's looked well next to Pasta and Zaka. Why not try that for a semi-extended period of time just to see if you can give him that kick in the ass that he needs to, to get a little extra minutes on the top line and, you know, be with guys. Because, you know, we want to talk about Poitra's slight dip in point production. How many assists did he miss out on because – you know, Jabrusk missed the net earlier in the year because Geeky was missing the net earlier in the year. And he's not or Heinen too. Or Heinen. You know, if he, you could make the case, he probably has five or six more assists if he's consistently played with with Pasternak. I get why they're not doing that, but his numbers would look better if he had, say, you know, Marshan for all season or Pasternak all season. If he had a goal scorer on his wing consistently, he easily has three or four or five more points on the year. Oh, I, I would think definitely easily, if not more. Um, and then if he has those four or five more points, where's his confidence at? Much higher than it is right now. Yeah, I I don't think I don't think Matt's confidence is affected by production. I, I think Matt's confidence is affected by the way he thinks he's playing. He understands he can go out there and play the perfect game. And there's a lot of reasons why you end up with zeros on the board. Sure. It's, the kid gets it. That's, I mean, that's what I keep coming back to. The kid gets it. And he knows it's not all about points. I, I, I'm I'm the last thing I'm sitting here saying is, is they need a coaching change because I've seen that thrown out there and I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I just wish we had a better understanding of what it is they were trying to do. I'm with you. I've come around with the, the call-ups of the Patrick Browns of the world. You know, I'm glad Watherspoon is getting a good look right now with the club. I know Ian Mitchell just came back up, but I, I see what they're doing with those call-ups as far as the long-term game, and I'm on board with it. I get it. I'm there. The The other questions that we're going to run into come the offseason, are you willing to give JVR another contract? Are you willing to give Heinen another contract? What about Oscar Steen? And, and I also wonder how much of what we're seeing is because they thought they could squeak A.J. Greer through waivers and Calgary came and took him. I, I start with uh, Danton Heinen first. Uh, the, the, yeah, the way he's playing right now, I would definitely offer him a contract. What that contract looks like, I have no idea. But I'd be willing to keep him. Uh, JBR started out great, slowed down a little bit, but I'm actually surprised at his production even though he slowed down a little bit. Um, <clears throat> if he's willing to come back for a million dollars again, um, yeah, I would consider it. I think somebody else throws a little bit more money at him. Uh, just seeing a, a little resurgence, they're going to look at him and go, well, he still has it on the power play. We need some mm -hmm. power play improvement. You know, someone else will offer him one, five, two, 
you know, for a couple of years and just say, you know, come and, you know, play out the, the rest of your career here on a couple of years at a couple mil and, and help us rebuild or help try, help uh, push us over the edge, you know? Yeah. Steen. Um, how many games does he have been this year? I will let you know. Uh, in just a moment. I'm on the site right now. I just have to get to Oscar Steen because I know he can, he can potentially become an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. I think he has to play 42 games this year to keep RFA status. He's at 18 <clears throat> now. He has one point. He's a plus one. And he has two penalty minutes. Um, at this point, if Steen wants to take a one-year deal at $800,000 again, yeah, I bring him back. Um, I mean, he fits on the fourth line with, with Beecher and with uh, Lauko. He's not he's not costing you anything in the negative when he's on the ice most of the time. He doesn't take dumb penalties. I remember that was the big thing with AJ Greer last year was he took a mm -hmm. lot of inopportune penalties. But AJ Greer right now is 10 points in 32 games. So it it's not they're not as far off as it seems as far as what you're gonna get from him. He also plays eight minutes a night, nine minutes a night over in Calgary. I think with Steen, it depends on how close Kuntar is for me. <clears throat> Unfortunately, as management, you when, when you have to make the decision, you don't get to see them in training camp. You've got to make the decision beforehand. Yeah, so, you use training camp to kind of confirm your thoughts. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I, I I take him back on a one-year $800,000 deal. And that's simply because you'll have the waiver options with Kuntar. <clears throat> right. I'm trying to pull up what Kuntar has right now down in Providence. Because oh. right now he's got... Let's see. Kuntar? Yeah, he's... This year... Uh, in the 23-24 season, six assists, three goals, six assists in 30 games, 59 penalty minutes, which, I mean, he's also six foot 200. He, he could fill in for Steen easily. Like, it, oh it's, yeah. I, I he agree. Likes, he likes to cause shit. <laughs> he so, really likes to cause shit. That, that's kind of one of those things where it, it's going to come down to the money. You already know what Kuntar is going to cost you. So, Alex State, if you want too much money, we've got your replacement waiting. So, mm -hmm. it, it's up to you whether or not you want to stick around. Here's, you know, nine hundred and fifty grand. Otherwise, have a nice day. Good luck somewhere else. Because I think uh, I, ideally, I'd want Kuntar in the AHL another year. That's. <coughs> Ideally, but yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I mean, he's also uh, Oscar Steen's also at eight hundred grand right now, so you could easily 
offer him that million dollars. And if he really wants to stick around, he's still getting a pay bump. He can be happy with it. He can live with it and, and really try to build off of what's been a successful year overall for him. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how you have to pitch it to him. Listen, you're, you're doing well. You're not doing anything wrong. We just can't overspend for you. Our cap out well, is a million bucks. We want to have. If I'm the Bruins, I'm saying I gave you a one-way contract two years ago and paid you eight hundred thousand dollars to play in the AHL. Right. So come on. We're, yeah, put put pay us back for it. Yeah. Uh, no, and that works. That works a hundred percent. There's a that's that's why they call it negotiating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's what have you done for me lately, but also remember what I did for you before. So mm-hmm. I, I just wish we knew what, what they were doing with jumbling up the lines. And, and maybe it's just as simple as you guys have to know each other well enough so that I can use you if I need to. It could be that... Um... It could be, it could very well be uh, like it, it would surprise me if that was the case, but I'm not going to oh. say that that's, that's impossible. Would it really surprise you though? Because I mean, <coughs> we, yeah, it would, we can see the difference in play when coils with JVR and Frederick, Jim Montgomery is not stupid. He has to see it too. Well, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure the analytics tell him, uh, all, all that stuff. I mean, <clears throat> the Bruins are very heavy into analytics. Um, so they, they're aware of all this. They're, they're aware of who works and who doesn't work. I think they're just trying to force things. So do you think Montgomery could just be overthinking it, trying to, <laughs> trying to say possible. we to work? Possible. I mean, it wouldn't be the first brain fart moment he's had on the bench. No, it wouldn't. And and, he's um, he's still a young coach, too. So we mm -hmm. can't really, you know, shit all over him for 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 going based off of what on paper looks like it should work. (laughs) Well, but on paper, it's saying that it doesn't work. Right. (laughs) You know, um, I, I I I just don't know. It's like analytics can be a very confusing thing at times. I, I think it has a place in the game. And I think um, that you shouldn't disregard it. But there are some things in analytics you have to take with a grain of salt. Uh, let me give you an example. <coughs> Derek Forbert doesn't have the greatest analytic numbers. Yet the Bruins are at NHL 500, below standard NHL, or below standard 500 since Derek Forbert's been out. Their power or their penalty kill is number one in the league, but they've given up a power play goal in each of the last five games. Six out of the seven that Derek Forbert's been out, which is kind of funny because last year their power, their penalty kill was better when he was not in the lineup. Yeah, but who was who was he replaced with? Right, Dmitry Orlov, another very good defenseman. Right, 
Who who is he being replaced with this year? Hampus Lindholm, who hasn't had a great season, has had to move up to the number one spot on the left side, and Matt Grislick or Mason Lorai have filled in in Lindholm's spot, or Parker Watherspoon, or right Mitchell, or like it, it, it's they're not Dimitri Orlov <laughs> at the end of the day. I hundred percent no. see where you're going with that, and and it's funny because Dimitri Orlov, you know has Ty Anderson calls it the trickle up effect when he's out there and he's killing those penalties. That means Charlie McAvoy is not, that means Hampus Lindholm is not. And if right. someone's going to break a wrist blocking a shot on a penalty kill at the end of the day, you'd rather have it be Derek Forbort than Charlie McAvoy. Right. And, and that's what he brings. And we're seeing that much more this year than we did last year because of, what you're just talking about, the drop-off to who's next. Now, if you remember last year, Derek Forbert missed time twice. The earlier part of the season when he missed time, the PK was worse without him. Yes. It only got better without him because he was replaced by Dmitry Orlov. You know, fans don't put that together. But <laughs> there, there's... don't want to put it together. There, Right. But there's a situation where you have to take analytics and you have to dissect everything that's happening, which means you need the eye test. Okay, so what's going on? Well, okay, Derek Forbert's not playing right now. So Hampus Lindholm's had to pick up the slack on that side. You've got two other defensemen who don't normally play the spot filling in for a Hampus Lindholm. Okay. So, but the numbers tell me Derek Forbert's not very good. Well, yeah, there's a situation where Derek Forbert is very good and allows everybody to slot in where they need to slot in. Right. Okay. Just imagine if Brandon Carlo went down. So now Charlie McAvoy has to fill in Carlo's spot on the right. And then, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk will have to pick up McAvoy's spot on the right side, killing penalties. Right. It just it injuries throw everything off. That's why they right. test depth. But the fact that this team came out to the the nine zero and one start that they did, that's why they have the four point cushion. That's why they have the six point cushion in the standings. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just right now you have to maintain and. You know, one of the reasons why I said coming into the year that I thought Boston still would win the division is because when they are healthy, everybody slots into almost the perfect role. Mm -hmm. And when they're not healthy, they can maintain average better than I think other teams in this division can. We're seeing what happens when a goalie goes down in Toronto. They can't, mm -hmm. they can't buy a save unless it's, Martin Jones going on a shutout out of nowhere, being the third string goalie, making you sit here and go, what are we doing when I, when we get healthy? When the Bruins get healthy, we know Lorai goes back to Providence. It's not the most fun thing to do, but when, he, when, when fully healthy, that's where he can get minutes. That's where he can develop. And that's when a Parker Watherspoon, that's where, um, uh, what's his name? Ian Mitchell or... Um, that's where those guys come in because even though they may require waivers, when you send them down, 
you're not losing sleep if they get claimed. Right. I, I don't hate Ian Mitchell, but if if Chicago put in a claim to get him back, I'm not crying because I lost Ian Mitchell. Exactly. Exactly. If if I'm Toronto and right now I have to decide between, you know, oh, Joseph Wall's about to be healthy again. What do I do with Sam Sonoff and his 3.7? I don't want to lose him for nothing because when Sam Sonoff plays well, he plays really, really well. And if you're waving him, someone else may come out and look at him and go, well, you know, let, let's take um let's take Anaheim, for example, right? They can look at him and go, huh, we still got time before the trade deadline. Let's take him on. Let's see if we can turn him around and flip him. Yeah, I. Who's? Well, actually, no, they can't. No. No, because once you pick up a player on waivers, he's yours for the season. You you are not able to trade him. No, not until the end of the season. Ah, his contract is up, so that wouldn't work. But okay, San Jose. They got nothing to lose by picking him up. Held no, Mackenzie Blackwood already needs hazard pay. Yeah, <laughs> you you want to turn around what you look like in the off season? Come get sixty shots thrown at you a night, and we'll, we'll we'll let you get some money in the off season. Yeah, like no one's gonna look at your goals against average at that point. They're gonna go, oh, you saw fifty five shots a game, and you stopped fifty of them. You're good. We'll sign you. Yeah, like. There's, there's just, there's, there's, I mean, Vegas, everybody looks good in Vegas in that, like, I, I don't know. There's, there's somebody out there that could look at Ilya Samsonov and go, eh, doesn't hurt to try it for, you know, 40, 40 days, 40 games yeah. or whatever. Worst case scenario, we don't re-sign them. Exactly. Or, or you can decide to put him on waivers again, but then first you have to offer him back to Toronto. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, by yeah. then the Leafs, the Leafs might be on their fifth goalie and say, yeah, we'll take him back. We want him to play over Wildebeek. <laughs> yeah. But, so, but that's, the, that's, that's the type of, <clears throat> of fuckery that Don Sweeney is able to avoid and you're able to see consistency. Now, obviously, if someone goes down, if Brad Marchand goes down, Pasta goes down, like, it's going to change the trajectory of everything. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but look, I'll say what I've said since the start of the season. To me, it's a transition year. It's a year where I can just sit back and watch hockey and and see what happens as to opposed to um, questioning every move that that management makes because <coughs> frankly I have no idea what <laughs> I shouldn't say management I have no idea what the coaching staff is is thinking when they make some of the decisions but. I'm not paid two, three million dollars or whatever Montgomery's making a year to make those decisions. So, um, and, and you want to know what's even better? 
you're not the one who gets fired if you make the wrong decision. Well, <laughs> um, neither is he apparently because he made the wrong decision in the playoffs and he still has a job. So fair. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, here's the question. How hot is his seat next year? If they're a first round exit again this year? I don't think it is Chris, because I think management is, has real realistic expectations for this year. That's fair. And that is just to get into the playoffs. If they get in, they get their gate, and they lose in the first. I would say it also depends on how they look. Mm -hmm. If you go through the Carolina sweep, well, <laughs> a little different than if you, uh, you know, give up a four a four game lead, a three game lead. Yeah. So, um, I don't think, I don't think if if you had Don Sweeney or Cam Neely in a room alone giving you an off-the-record honest opinion that either one would say, hey, you know, we expect to win a round or two in the playoffs this year. I really don't think you would get that from them. Yeah, I mean, right now, I think they're slated, let's see, if the season ended right now, they would play the second wild card team, which is Carolina which I, I would expect based on how Carolina's played so far, they should be able to win that series simply because Carolina's not been what we've seen them to be. Now, that being that's said, goal tending. Yeah, but Carolina can switch it around between now and then. You know, Kochekov has started to look really good. Mm -hmm. he's, he's seeing pucks more. He's, he's getting more starts. I think that's all he needed was some consistency. You know, it, it's and that's okay. I, I feel like right now, if you went in a series against Carolina, you're probably seeing a six or seven game series, win or lose. That's that's acceptable. Yep. Because that's what this team yep. is. So it's all it's all about realistic expectations. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, we're asking people uh, to be realistic. Come on. Well, we can try. <laughs> it's Christmas. Miracles happen. There we go. So, do you have any final thoughts? I know the, the second period's about to get underway. I'm looking forward to watching how this one ends. Hopefully, they can hang on. Although, I will say, Brock Faber, holy shit, he looks good. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I just want, I want, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Uh, also, to you and, and the family, Chris. Everybody be safe. I know I'm looking forward to the next three days of turkey and stuffing and uh all that fun stuff and oh yeah see what santa's left for me under the tree um and you know uh we want you back listening next week when we we're doing a show next week right i'm i'm around all next week so i'm looking yeah. forward to it. i finally have some time off from work <coughs> no, I yeah work so the next like 12 so i'm thrilled Lots of stuff yeah. for the show, for the, for what's brewing, for what uh, for puck off and stuff like that. So, um, looking forward to the the turn of the year as well. But you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm glad we're doing this. Glad to be on this road road trip with you here. And uh, it's fun, 
it's always fun to talk hockey. Of course, because there's always so much to go over. Always. <laughs> so always, always, always. It, it's uh, it, it's a lot of it, for me. It's just it's you know I joke about not having a, a day off from work. That that's work. This I'm going to be doing a lot of this stuff for the next ten plus days because it's not work. Yeah, it's pure enjoyment. Um, you know, I've I've been working on an extended, comprehensive uh, prospect uh, midseason update, and I thought I could get it done in three, maybe four uh, parts. Uh, but I've actually started part five, so <laughs> that's how comprehensive it is. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to read yeah. it. And part one came out today, buddy. I haven't had a chance to read. <laughs> well, I was working today. <laughs> were you? I had, yeah. And then uh, we did some stuff over at my my girlfriend's grandmother's and stuff like that. So literally, like like I said before, we were talking, uh, getting on the air. I had just walked in my door maybe five minutes before. Wow. What time we were, I was like, I scarfed down some, some good old pizza that we picked up on the way home. And then I was like, all right, let's bang this out. And like I said, second period's about to get going. I know you want to watch it. I want to watch it. Um, I'll be working on getting the show out there. Um, hopefully later on tonight, but if not first thing in the morning for, for all the early risers, it'll be in everyone's download section. And, um, yeah, like you said, Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays. If Christmas isn't the one that you celebrate, totally fine with us here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all in fun. It, it's as fun as Mike Milbury coming out with a shoe. Yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go the replay. I had to go there. So, everybody, thank you for joining again this week. We will see you all next week, or you will hear from us again next week. And, uh it it it's always fun go bees go bees <laughs>